Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from my home in the greater Chicago area. In this special episode of IRI Growth Insights, recorded on May 8th, 2020, we're discussing COVID-19 and its impact on the CPG and retail industries. For daily updates on consumer reaction, real-time data on product categories, as well as insights and implications to the CPG retail industry, I encourage you to visit iriworldwide.com to see the IRI COVID-19 dashboard powered by IRI Liquid Data. At the same location, you'll find a number of COVID-19 reports that provide valuable information across countries, categories, and channels. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insight. Today, I'm joined by John Crawford, a leader in our dairy vertical for IRI as VP of Client Insights Dairy. John leads the relationship for a number of IRI's top dairy clients, and he and his team developed some really impressive industry-leading dairy thought leadership. I know it's been a go-to for many, including me, so I'm so happy to have John here with me today to talk about dairy in a stay-at-home world. Welcome, John. Thank you so much, Joan. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we've got a lot to dig into, um, and I know that... um, it's important, I think, to kind of focus in on dairy by starting to talk about what's kind of happening across the store. So give me like your vision of where we are and where dairy fits with where we are right now. Yeah, so how I like to break this down and, and the, the work that I've been doing is to break down the, the pandemic world here, our new reality, into into three phases. So um, what, I, what I'm calling the pre-pandemic phase, which was the weeks leading up to um, March 8th, when, when everything kind of started to, to pop off here, and, and, and March 15th as well. Um, then I look at the panic buy period, which was really a very concentrated two-week period, um, March 15th, uh, week ending March 15th and March 22nd. And then I'm looking at this post-pandemic, or excuse me, post-panic uh, buy, which I'm calling the the stay-at-home world, right? We're all kind of staying at home, and and our behaviors have changed based on that. So, um, if we look at it in those three phases, I'll give you some I'll give you some perspective on that. Um, in total store, pre-pandemic, we had sales um, of around twenty billion dollars, um, and uh, excuse me, 19, about nineteen billion dollars a week. Um, and then in the pandemic phase, we popped up to $28 billion during those two weeks. Um, and then we've settled in now at about $21 billion in the weeks following that, that panic buy period. So total store sales are up about $2 billion. And when I'm talking total store sales, I'm talking total multi-outlet with convenience, up about $2 billion from where we were before the pandemic started. Um, when you break that down into edible versus non-edible, you, you're finding some pretty interesting things. Um, in edible, you saw that same $2 billion increase um, going from about $10 billion to about $12 billion post uh, now in our, in our shelter at home or stay at home period. 
Um, non-edible actually has has you saw a tick up a week earlier than you did in 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 food or in edibles, right? So you saw the tick up start March eighth as people were starting to see this this wave coming, and they were buying as we know hand sanitizer and they were buying wipes, Clark wipes, Clark wipes. Mm-hmm. So that happened a little bit before. Um, that's actually settled back down now into into the pre-pandemic phase. So it's actually about flat from where it was. Um, so it's pretty interesting that all of that total store growth, the $2 billion that I was talking about, is coming from edibles. Yeah, you know, actually, I want to point, point listeners in a direction here because IRI now has a CPG demand index um, that's up and updated weekly. And it shows you all these like peaks and valleys um, in both food and non-food across departments. It's so rich in data. And yeah, we are definitely up versus a year ago in especially in food. Um, to your point, non-food has settled down a little bit, still a little bit higher, um, but it's a great resource. So thanks for letting me, thanks for letting me put that plug in there. It's a good plug. It's an amazing uh, resource that all of our, uh, everybody actually has their, at their fingertips if they go to IRIWorldwide.com. Um, so within non-edible, it was interesting that, that the growth was driven by home care. Actually, I don't know how interesting that is. It was driven by home care. Um, home care was up about 104% um, during that during that panic buy week, um, and then you saw you know some you saw some general merchandise come up, and, and you saw some other things come up. It was interesting that that beauty started to come up later um, in this. So in our in our stay at home world, um, beauty products are now starting to see a little bit of a resurgence. As we know, we can't go to the You're salons and whatnot. Like I don't have that problem. <laughs> Your color, <laughs> nail color. Yep. 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 That's right. That's right. That's right. Within edible, it was interesting. Growth was really driven by um, frozen um, and, and followed by general food and refrigerated. Those all saw kind of a, a, an increase over general food. So they were they were up pretty dramatically. Frozen was up um, in the pandemic period. You know, eighty percent and ninety four percent. Or excuse me, in the in the panic buy period, eighty percent general food up seventy five percent. Refrigerated up sixty percent. Um, and so you saw, um, you saw, uh, uh, refrigerated ending up being, um, uh, a $400 million over, um, in the stay at home world over the, the pre pandemic world, general foods up about a billion dollars. So you're seeing those trends across all departments, although some, you know, doing much better than before. Well, and that to me is that's telling two different stories. Like one of them is people were filling their freezers and their cupboards with as much as they could. Stuff in the refrigerator, I think, is more of a, a, a symptom of having to put three meals on the table every day, you know, because that doesn't have the shelf life. Would you agree with that? I, I agree completely with that. Um, you are starting to see, you're absolutely right. The general food increases, certainly in the panic buy, um, you saw um, frozen foods in the panic buy. You're absolutely right as people were getting ready to be sheltered at home for, for a period of time. Now you're seeing um, refrigerated and dairy seeing a, a real resurgence um, in this in this post and uh, the stay at home world versus the pre pandemic world. As consumers are having to cook meals, you know, three meals a day, they have their their all the all of their children are home because schools are all shut down, and 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 so you're seeing a real increase here in, in dairy. And when we look at the dairy fifteen, looking at that, um, and the dairy fifteen are are our core dairy categories. Um, and then we add in ice cream and frozen novelties and, and refrigerated dips and refrigerated desserts. Um, we do exclude eggs from our, our view, 
just because it, it uh, fluctuates so wildly in terms of pricing um, and demand that we, we do exclude them. Go ahead. John, name, name, those, name the Dairy 15 for us. Sure. It's, it's, and, and this is actually it by size. So I'll give it to you by size. So milk, natural cheese, yogurt, ice cream, frozen novelties, creams and creamers, butter and butter blends, processed cheese, cream cheese, margarine and spreads, sour cream, refrigerated whipped toppings, refrigerated dips, cottage cheese, and refrigerated desserts. And again, that was by size from biggest to smallest. Those are the dairy 15 categories. Like naming your children, isn't it? (laughs) You would think that I would know them by heart. And I, and I do. Um, but, uh, but that, but so by size, and it is interesting, milk and natural cheese are far and away above the rest. And then yogurt comes in there. Um, yogurt and ice cream and frozen novelties are all kind of neck and neck as well. Um, but they are, there's a big drop off after you, after you fall, um, from, from frozen novelties down to the, to the next categories. But when we, when we looked at the dairy 15 and we looked at it pre pandemic and, and the stay at home world, um, we saw that, that, that pre, um, the steady state pre-pandemic was about $1.3 billion in dairy 15 sales um, per week. Um, it, it jumped up on that panic by two-week period to $1.9 billion, and it settled in at about $1.6 billion um, very consistently in the, weeks, in, in the weeks in the stay-at-home week. So you're up about $300 million in sales in post are in the stay-at-home world versus the pre-pandemic world, which is a significant increase. So let's talk a little bit about who's eating what, you know, like what is being consumed, because just as you, you know, you mentioned some of those overall trends, retail wasn't really ready for this. Retail wasn't ready for people, you know, all this more food dollar coming into the home. So how did dairy react? Yeah, so so dairy reacted fairly well. Um, what we did see is, is after that two-week uh, panic buy window, um, that third week, the one week after that, you did see a pretty significant drop-off in, dairy, in the Dairy 15. Um, and and then, it, then it popped back up and, and it settled in here at, at this $1.6 billion. So it actually dropped all the way down to $1.5 billion. So still above where we were before. So dairy did, did um, actually do pretty well, but we did, and you know, we did see some out of stocks at, at retail. And, and now we're back up into that 1.6 billion level. I think dairy has done a nice job of, of shifting production to the most, um, the, the most uh, important items for consumers. Um, they're focusing their production. They're focusing their milk supply on, on the, the biggest, the biggest products. They've also shifted some of their production to larger size packages um, as consumers are stocking up more. It, it is interesting when you start to look at, and we can talk about this in a minute, when you start to look at um, some categories that kind of trended together, I, I found some very interesting uh, information on, on categories that trended together. Yeah, I, I would, because I have to say, it's like I've seen even in my household, you know, just three people in my household, um, some of our buying behavior shifts. And it's it's a little stunning to me, like the the amount of butter and other things that we normally wouldn't buy as much of like butter and bread. It just, it's like going way back. It's crazy. So tell me what, what you're seeing. Yeah. So really interesting that you mentioned butter because butter, we, we saw some really big increases in butter, um, particularly during that, that panic buy period. Um, and also since then, I mean, butter is up 
you know, in the 75% range versus a year ago. And, and butter is, is, you know, started to sell during that panic buy period. It is very interesting. You never see this, but um, it was selling as much as it was selling at the holiday season. Um, so the panic buy season was as big as, a, as the Christmas holiday season was for, for butter sales. So um, can, and, can and what can I make a little correlation there? Because the other big thing is baking. Everyone is baking right now. And isn't that like another behavior that we would see in Q4 around holidays? Absolutely. Bake, baking sales for Q4 for butter are, are huge um, as, as Christmas cookies and, and whatnot are being, being consumed. Um, absolutely. That is, that is the biggest season for, for butter. And like I said, this, this panic by period, you saw, you saw spikes as big as you saw in Q4. Um, so the, the interesting thing about what's moved almost identically with butter, and, and so butter had this big spike. And so I was looking at the data across the dairy 15, and, and I was really surprised by this, but, but it makes some sense when you think about it. Processed cheese and margarine and spreads. Now, we've talked about those two categories for some time now, and those have been the two categories within the dairy 15 that have been struggling mightily. As consumers have moved away from processed foods, they've moved towards, um, you know, more natural foods. Uh, you know, they've certainly moved uh, to butter from margarine. They moved from natural cheese to, from processed cheese to natural cheese from processed cheese. But you saw those two categories spiking almost exactly the same as butter spiked. And I do think that that consumers, you know, we think about processed cheese and, and with kids staying home, what that was going to mean. And I know that I went out and bought SpaghettiOs for the first time in many, many years, right? In my panic buy. So I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. And you think about processed cheese, right? People were open to processed foods again. I mean, it was very much open to processed foods again. Well, I, now I want to, so now we have grilled cheese. We know that people have been eating a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches. What, what we have to find out what tomato soup is doing because that goes hand in hand. So people are baking and they're having grilled cheese. Oh. I think that's that's Nummy. probably true. Nummy. Can't agree with the I can't agree with the spaghettios, but I can agree with uh, sorry. Well, it's it's actually just sitting in my, you know, my garage in a in a thing just in case something really bad happens. So the other categories that, that was interesting that, that trended together. Um so I, I thought I thought you know obviously seeing sorry, processed cheese and margarine and spreads, seeing a resurgence was was pretty pretty amazing to me. Um, the other categories that, you know, butter, I'm sorry, butter made perfect sense. The other categories that moved together were, were yogurt and refrigerated desserts and actually cottage cheese. So those three categories kind of moved together and, and they, they've distanced themselves. They're, they're not acting the same now in this stay at home. And I'll tell you why. So what we see from yogurt is we saw, um, yogurt was trending, you know, pretty flat before, you know, up maybe about, you know, a percent, two percent. And this is all in dollar sales um, in that in that pre-pandemic kind of weeks. It was it was up, you know, in that one percent, two percent range. It spiked way up to about 40 percent at the, at the panic buy. Um, and it actually dropped off pretty quickly after that. Um, but since then, yogurt has actually been declining um, versus a year ago in this stay at home phase. Same thing with refrigerated desserts. Um, they both are actually declining. And, and we attribute that to the single serve nature of those categories. You think about when you go to that, that shelf, you're buying one at a time, right? You're buying one at a time. And the use case for that is 
um, you know, you're, you're giving it to your kids out the door in the morning when they're off to school or, or mom is taking that with her, you know, for, for herself to eat at work. Well, mom's not going to work. Kids are not going to school or mom is going to work, but she's working at home. Um, and so now you're, you're making different meals. You're, you're making different, um, eating occasions, particularly for breakfast. And so you're seeing the single serve world of yogurt and refrigerated desserts, not packing puddings and whatnot in lunches. Um, you're seeing those two categories actually struggling. And those are the two categories that have seen some declines in this shelter at home world or stay at home world. So I completely understand the, um, you know, we're, we've moved away from those single serve items, those away from home items, but wouldn't we kind of shift to more multi-use packaging, um, you know, bigger sizes? Um, I can't imagine that people would want to give up pudding and yogurt. <laughs> It's a, it's a really, it's a really good, it's a really good point. And that is actually when I, when I mentioned that I saw one of them breaking away here, cottage cheese is actually up versus a year ago in this stay at home world in the, you know, 10% range. Right. And when you look at, when you look at cottage cheese versus yogurt and the percent of sales that are single serve, cottage cheese has very little bit of single serve sales, right? It's mainly multi-serve, um, packages. So you're talking about a pint of cottage cheese or a quart of cottage cheese where you're spooning it out and you're, and you're eating it. Um, those types of product, those types of packages are still selling. Um, the single serve, the eight ounces, the five ounces, the, the real single serve and yogurt and refrigerated desserts have a disproportionate um, uh, sale of those, um, those sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yogurt compared to cottage cheese is dramatic in terms of the percent of sales that you have with with single serve versus multi multi serve. Now multi packs are probably doing pretty well, and multi packs. You know, I know a lot of uh, uh, manufacturers are trying to shift their production to multi packs. So you know, selling you know five or four of the the five ounce um, single serves in a package. So now you're buying it more in bulk. But uh, you know, taking taking um, uh, yogurt and spooning it out in some of those multi serve items are probably doing pretty well. But that single serve component is really is really driving some of the declines right now. And again, it's it's, it's the two categories you're seeing that are struggling um, in this stay at home world. Got it, got it. So where do you see things kind of like settling? I I believe as we continue that more of that food dollar is going to stay at home, um, even if restaurants open up. Um, we have, we've been doing consumer surveys every week and even increasingly people are saying that they're going to wait longer and longer before they head back to restaurants. Um, you know, things, even, even though some States are loosening up, um, I know a lot of workplaces are not necessarily eager to have people back until they can really assure safety. So how long do you think that this is going to, this is going to stick? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, and it's very important um, for for dairy manufacturers and for dairy co-ops and, and for the farmers. Um, so what what you're seeing, um, and you you may have seen some some news stories of of people having to dump milk, and and the reason why that is all happening is, is not because people are not consuming it and, and buying dairy products at retail. It's because there is a there is a great amount that our manufacturers and a great amount of our milk supply that goes into food service um, dairy products. So if you think about um, you think about pizza and 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 how much goes into mozzarella cheese, 
Um, you think about schools and, and, and milk um, sales going to schools and with schools being closed down, all of that milk milk has to go somewhere. You have to milk the cows every every day and that milk has to be produced. And, um, and, and if you can't shift that production from, from food service products into retail products, um, or if you can't shift that production into products that can have longer shelf life, um, butter is a good example. You can uh, manufacturers can freeze butter and, and store it for a period of time leading up to a Q4 holiday season, or it, you can you can put it into dried milk powder. Um, but not all manufacturers have drier um, uh, capabilities. So the ability for for um, manufacturers to shift that production from food service to retail or from food service over to um, longer shelf life products or products that can you can store is is limited. Um, and so with food service closed down, um, a lot of our, our uh, dairy suppliers and, and manufacturers are, are struggling as that balance um, is, is, is impacting them. So if they're a heavier food service company, they're going to be doing worse, obviously. Um, their retail sales are going to be up, but it's not going to be up enough to offset the, the food service decline. So that is a, the, the, the real question is what's going to happen when we open back up and, and we're opening back up now. And we know that, but as you said, are consumers going to go back to um, uh, restaurants when they open back up and, and are restaurants going to be able to sustain their business if they're, you know, having to run at 25% capacity and only you know, having 25% uh, people in, in, in the actual restaurant. So a lot to be kind of worked out here, but it will absolutely impact our dairy manufacturers um, and dairy suppliers that they can't shift that production quickly enough. Are you hearing any like happy stories or success stories of how the industry is able to shift some of that um, product to facilities or processors who can manage some things? You know, it, what is the industry response to kind of helping itself overall um, balance this? Because God, pouring milk down the drain is that's such a tragedy, right? It, it it is absolutely. Um, there there are some stories uh, of of actually food service items being sold at retail. Um, so that is that is interesting. Um, there, uh, if you think about um, in Delhi, um, behind the glass cheese, right? So so cheese that's sliced, you know, on demand behind the glass, and you see that a lot in the Northeast. Um, um, with products like like Land O'Lakes uh, American cheese. Well, some manufacturers and, and retailers have actually been able to shift that those loaves of cheese to actually having them be pre-sliced at their at their suppliers and at their plants and now bringing them to the stores because because retailers had shut down their delis, right? Their service delis. Yeah. And now bringing those items that were the loaves and now bringing them in pre-sliced and putting them on that self-serve deli counter. So you're seeing some of that. You're also seeing some food service um, packages, uh, five pound bags of shredded cheese, 10 pound bags of shredded cheese, starting to find its way as, as we were seeing out of stocks starting to actually be sold at retail. And the FDA did um, uh, loosen restrictions on being able to sell food service items at retail during this, during this time. So you're seeing a little bit of, um, of flexibility in that area. It, it's certainly not enough to offset what's going on with, with, um, you know, with restaurants all being closed down. Yeah. But it, but it's, it's something, you know, to me, that's, I like that, yeah. that agility, right? Um, okay. So as we, as we kind of close out, I would like to talk a little bit more about, you know, people shifting their behavior for the long term. 
Um, people get a little fatigued of having to cook three meals a day. Um, but dairy, dairy seems to be kind of like a, a positive note here. I don't know that we're going to continue with the, the grilled cheese sandwiches, but um, what do you project in terms of some happy stories for dairy moving forward? Because dairy has gained. Yeah, I think the I think the positive for for dairy, and you think about um, you know milk sales as as a, as a real example. Um, as consumers have been home, as they've been eating differently than they have, and not not being having as much on the go, you know, I I think that that milk being used as an ingredient, um, dairy being used as an ingredient in in, in recipes. Um, in in being a, a staple in the three meals a day, if you think about breakfast and and you know um, you know if if the parents are you know going to work at at home, you know the kids can get up and they can make themselves some cereal. Um, and milk now has a has a has a nice uh, a play there. You think about cheese. We talked about processed cheese with the grilled cheese sandwiches in the middle of the day, and then you think about dinners. You know, I'll bet you people are making lasagna more than they have in the past, and and you know lasagna kind of was coming out out of trend but but you know potentially lasagna sales and you think about ricotta cheese being you know sales being up so i think it will be interesting that if consumers and, and we do know and, and you probably have more data on this that that consumers you know younger consumers didn't know how to cook or, or less and less knew how to cook at home i think this will have changed that so if, if this changes anything it's that younger consumers are now cooking um learning how to how to make food at home and will that carry over, you know, hopefully for, for retail sales um, that will carry over, you know, in, in, in our, in our, our, our new normal, whatever that ends up becoming. So um, hopefully some positive stories in terms of, of retail food sales um, continuing to, to see a, a, a renaissance, if you will. Right. And, you know, also as we come out of this, um, we're, we're moving into a recession and we have seen some prices increase across the store in the past um, couple weeks. In fact, for dairy, I know dairy um, from our inflation tracker, also where our CPG demand index is, everyone, um, dairy prices across the store or dairy prices are up maybe 14% from a year ago. And I know that's not all dairy, um, but talk us through that a little bit because that's, you know, that's, people are seeing their grocery bills go up and they're still being cooking at home, so they don't even have the option of really cutting back on their food service bills. Um, what's going on with inflation in dairy? Yeah, it, within so I'm looking at the total store. I think you're seeing some inflation certainly within edibles. If you think about edibles, you're seeing you know price per units, um, you know, are up about fifteen cents. Um, and, and part of that is going to be due to larger pack sizes, right? So, so you know, when we're talking about price per unit here, um, but but before, you know, it's up about fifteen cents. So that's that's significant, you know, significantly up. But you know, you're not seeing huge increases in 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 edible. You're not seeing huge increases in dairy. You know, dairy is up about you know twenty cents um, in this, in this stay at home world versus the, the, the pre pandemic world where you're actually seeing the big increases and, and everybody's been talking about it is actually in liquor. Um, and liquor sales, as we know, I've, have, if you look at the liquor sales, you know, you, you saw the spike, but then you're seeing a kind of an uptick here in this stay at home world. 
Um, well, but but liquor sales. In all fairness, because I am one of those people, it's because we're it's it's not there's no on premise sales anymore. You know, we are drinking at home. So throw me a That's ball. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but liquor sales, um, in terms of pricing and price per units, and again, you're probably buying bigger pack sizes and, and, you know, you're buying like, you know, cases of beer instead of, you know, six packs of beer. Um, but it's up almost a dollar, um, uh, from the, the pre-pandemic, it's up about 90 cents pre-pandemic to, to this shelter, this, this stay at home period. So, um, yes, we're seeing some increases in edible, but it's not, it's not as, as, dramatic as I actually would have thought that it would have been. Um, uh, you know, we know that, that, that uh, retailers are pulling back on promotions and certainly that's going to impact in, into some of this as you're, as you're selling so much just on an everyday basis that you don't have to you know, have any hot deals to, to try and bring people into the store. So that's probably the driver of most of the, the increases in the pricing. Um, and then also, as, as, as I said, you know, larger pack sizes are certainly going to drive um, some of that uh, 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 price per unit um, uh, uh, increases that we're seeing. But it's not as dramatic as I would have thought that it would have been, except for within liquor, which, again, I, I'm I'm in that world as well. So really what you're saying, and, and I like that you really pointed out that bigger units, bigger price tag. So that is super important. So what you're telling us is dairy is still a really good deal. Um, you know, it's... Absolutely healthy and sustainable and everything. So that's awesome. Well, John, our, our time has kind of come to an end. So I just want to wrap up with a couple of things that I, that I heard you say, um, and you did have some fantastic data buried in this. I didn't anticipate that, but thank you. Um, so we're in the dairy is a bright spot um, in the grocery store. I mean, it really weathered a lot of that panic buying very well. There's plenty out there. And as the industry can kind of, shift um, production more to retail, um, and it is finding some, some ways to do that. We're all in a better place. Um, we know that we're eating a lot more grilled cheese sandwiches, a lot more of that processed cheese um, and butter, um, which goes with grilled cheese and with baking, which is fantastic. We know that um, this pandemic for like maybe another silver lining is that a lot of people are being reintroduced to the upside of home cooking. And we anticipate that that's going to stick with us. Dairy is certainly um, key there. And dairy is a good value. Um, when you look across the store, like dairy is still a really good value. It's good food. And um, being a girl from Wisconsin, I, you know, it has a special place in my life. So with that, John, I want to thank you for your time, and I hope that you'll come back soon and talk more about dairy and the total store. Thank you, John, very much. My pleasure. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please visit IRIWorldwide.com to view the IRI COVID-19 dashboard and insights portal, where you'll have access to daily updates, in-depth reports, as well as observations and implications for the CPG retail industry. Please become a subscriber of IRI Growth Insights and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.